To the Dynasty Think Tank. I am Chad Parsons. He's Jordan McNamara. We share our research, experience, and acumen to build dynasty winners and unlock ceiling outcomes. Now is the time to seek elite results. We've got the Packers. We've got the Texans. We're going to break them down in depth here from the dynasty perspective on our big thoughts of the week. Texans, Packers both eliminated. Uh, Packers had more of a chance, uh, chip in a chair, as we like to say, to uh, pull out the game against the 49ers. But dynasty wise, quarterback wise, uh, you don't have. Many more teams fascinating in this offseason here. And so the Packers, obviously, we know about their youth. The rookie contracts abound at the, uh, at the, the skill positions and at the pass catcher spots. We've got some change happening. Uh, you know, Aaron Jones spiking with a big finish to his season. Jordan Love, uh, certainly until that interception, playing well enough to win and to beat the, the 49ers. So what's kind of swirling around your your dynasty brain here as we get full force into the offseason for the Packers, but also for us and our dynasty rosters? Yeah, I mean, I think Jordan Love, the, the, the overall headline is Jordan Love is is a guy, I think. Right? And I think he's going to be treated like such in dynasty. Um, so that's, I think, the main headline there. He's a top 12 guy. I think he could make some distinctions within that specifically what types of bet you want to make, but I think you got to feel really good coming out of this year, especially his first year as a starter where he's at uh, in the direction of this offense with a good coach. Um, I, and I, I wondered kind of what the arc of Aaron Jones was going to be. Um, if you look at him next year, $11.1 million is base salary. Uh, none of it's guaranteed, but he's got a cap hit of $17 million. They don't save a ton actually by cutting him. They would take it's a about- restructure type situation. Yeah. Yeah, they would. So that's seventeen million dollars. They'd take about twelve point four of that as a as a dead cap hit. They'd only save four point six million dollars cutting him. Uh, and they have, uh, you know, they they are a team that have a decent, you know, finances heading into next year. So I think like it, it doesn't right now, but they're gonna, you know, they'll move on. Bakhtiari, like they'll, they'll be able to open up plenty of space. Um, so it, I do kind of wonder if they maybe, you know, figure out a way to if it's extend Aaron Jones or kind of restructure his deal to push it, maybe make it a two-year deal. I wasn't sure that was going to happen, what, six weeks ago. But I, I think as of right now, like I'm, I feel a little bit better about his trajectory in terms of being back there um, because it feels like he's a piece that they can, you know, that is a, is a productive piece of that offense right now, even though it was a down year. Um, so that's kind of that. The 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 interesting thing I think is like, what do they do at receiver? Like, do you you come into this like they've been a team that's basically never spent a first round pick on a wide receiver? Um, you've got Dobbs, you've got Christian Watson, you've got uh, Jaden Reed, you've got Bolt Melton, right? You've got uh, Dontavian Wicks. Like, you've got a good group of four or five, you know, depending on how you view some of those guys, like quality receivers, young guys, right? That you can build on. I, do you go get a guy, right? Are you in the market for, you know, someone on day one, right? I think it's a really interesting idea. Like you can never have too many playmakers. Um, you know, and I, I think Christian Watson has has fallen off from that. Like how you view him in that, I think is part of that equation. So that's a really interesting like team building concept to me um, in terms of how they, how they go into the off season um, and, you know, kind of how they, if they're going to invest in wide receiver and sort of how they see that position is a really fascinating question to me. Yeah. Uh, three things I would say, and they all kind of adjoin to things that you've already said. I think Aaron Jones is, is really interesting just from the standpoint that 
we're seeing a different era, you know, of running back. Like the workhorse running back isn't really a thing. And I think with these guys that if you see them used in more of a committee fashion or more of a 1A fashion, that I think we're going to see these careers extended a little bit. And it also kind of speaks to who do you trust? You know, we don't have a barrage, a couple dozen running backs, you know, 25 and under that you truly trust. So this old guard, you know, which is headlined by guys like McCaffrey and Kamara, uh, secondarily, you know, we have guys like Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones and James Conner, these types. I was really surprised. And this is part of the, you know, survivorship, that running back, like to get to playing in the NFL still at 28, 29. And if you're lucky, someone like Latavius Murray or Fred Jackson, I mean, if you're fortunate enough to still be in the NFL, still be vibrantly active on a depth chart, it means really good things for you. And let alone be the starter. And, and I think it speaks to like, the more I look at career arc stuff, the more don't really react to the age too much until they have the tragic fall. Now, obviously that can be, that can feel really risky, but with Aaron Jones, I mean, you're talking about someone that's in the running back twenties, you know, dynasty wise, like that's pretty low stakes. I mean, if you were doing a startup draft, this is someone wildly accessible by the time you get late enough in the draft where you're like, all right, I've kind of exhausted some core stuff at quarterback, tight end, wide receiver. Oh, let's circle back and get ourselves a nice starting tandem or threesome, you know, at, at running back so I can, you know, really uh, pummel some people in year one as well. Like, that'd be nice too. Like, they get affordable like that. And so don't run from the 28, 29, 30-year-old when they still have jobs. Like, Aaron Jones' week one starter is such a high probability for Green Bay alone. So, like, Kamara's the same thing. Uh, you know, Eckler, he's going to find work. Like, you have to be – so that that would be one takeaway from Green Bay's offense. I mean, look at what Aaron Jones – he was wrecking people, you know, for five, six weeks. And, like, that sort of impact, he's going to come cheaper by the year. So don't run away from age alone. The other thing I would say is I the Christian Watson lesson to me is twofold. Number one, the assumption that he was going to be the guy and everyone else was fighting for scraps. Uh, we had Romeo Dobbs, who was a success track player, maybe not an impact player, but a success track from round four. They just drafted Jaden Reed round two. Same pedigree as Christian Watson. Christian Watson, known injuries. Uh, a team that drafts well a team that develops well. You get Dontavian Wicks in there. Why can't Bo Melton be someone that contributes? Like, I think these were the questions, like the fact that it was Watson way up here, everyone else down here in terms of probabilities of being the guy. We don't know if anyone's going to actually be the guy in a multi-year sample. But the point is, it should have been much tighter in terms of what could happen spectrum with all of these wide receivers. And the other factor was, obviously we didn't expect maybe the pie to be as robust with Jordan Love hitting to the degree he did by the end of this season. So that was the variable of like, the answer might've been a lot more of nobody <laughs> because Jordan Love wasn't as good, you know, and if we simulate this season many more times. Um, so the thing was Christian Watson, let's not get over our skis too much because he was more of a boom bust prospect coming into the NFL. He had, you know, it was more touchdown based than it was, sustaining element of like boy look at this Leo. like Amon Ross St. Brown the close of that initial season was a lot more impressive the way he did it just as an example versus someone like Christian Watson that was hey look at these eight nine ten touchdowns it wasn't really as sustainable as look at this sheer wreckage that he was leaving in the wake of him dominating this passing game it didn't have that feel even if the yards per route run the touchdowns were there 
Um, and then what do they do? They circle back. They draft notable players on day two and otherwise at tight end, at wide receiver. Like that should have been also an indicator that they're building this thing up and they have a lot of outs, not just Christian Watson or nothing. That was another takeaway that I had from from just this Packer team build. Do you think they're in the wide receiver business or do you think they kind of roll with this? Well, they don't, like you mentioned round one. I mean, I guess I would say like, I don't know when they've drafted a round one guy. So like that makes me skeptical. They always go for, again, the, the positions that pay. And I know wide receiver pays, but they, for decades, they've trusted their process round two and beyond. And I think with their success, why would you sink higher pedigree into it when you've done so much ROI damage and plus EV from non-round one? Mm-hmm. Like Christian Watson working out or playing a heck of a lot better next year is almost like a happy accident. Like they almost don't even need that. It's crazy. Yeah. What do you think like on day good two? Vibes of, like you don't think no, they want. No, so yeah. I, I think that's in yeah. play. You can never have enough. I mean, tight end, you would say, is completely out. You know, they, they mm-hmm. have two guys, and you there is a finite <laughs> a finite excess, I think, at tight right. end uh, in that capacity. Um, but, again, I, 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 I definitely don't think free agency or making a big splash trade, those two things are so off from their MO, it's crazy. So mm-hmm. thinking that they're going to make a big splash signing or trade a first-round pick for somebody is like almost zero <laughs> probability. Drafting another guy, I guess. I mean, but isn't Dontavian Wicks playing like a day two guy? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be fair. I don't know. I, I think they would be more optimized to do something else. Just something else. I, I don't. That's that's my feel. I do feel like they have enough. I almost asked this in the uh, in the Houston dialogue, right? I mean, like the the only thing I can come up with on on why Nico Collins is you know, on why the market is there is that they project far higher odds than I do, that they're going to splash heavily the depth chart in an immediate way. And I view that as really low odds. And apparently the market is much higher on that than me. And we're kind of spinning Packers plus Texans in this dialogue. And I do Mm -hmm. think Jordan Love and CJ Stroud paired together as a a discussion point is valid here as well. But I think it applies to Nico Collins um, of the, Apparently, I don't know where you sit on the probabilities and and like how likely this is. And you could say Houston definitely isn't as deep at wide receiver, but you could argue their top two is significantly better than what we've seen out of Green Bay as well. Yeah, it's They're looking for wide receiver three. They're not looking for wide receiver one. Yeah, we're, we're jumping onto the third rail of the Internet of the past uh, week talking about C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love in the same segment. It's, uh, that's right up there with, uh, with, with Danger SEO, Zone. SEO, baby. All about the SEO. <laughs> <laughs> um, we weigh in on that. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I said this earlier this week, and like it almost felt like it was a hot take when it came out, and, and I, it isn't meant to be that. They are sitting in the 20s in this draft, right? They could take a day one wide receiver. They could trade for T. Higgins. They could do those things. And I still don't think that Nico Collins is any worse. Like, he's not drawing dead. And actually, I think he'd be a favorite against those guys, right? Well, I mean, spe- if well take- especially if they draft a guy. I mean, again, with all this microwave thinking that guys instantly come in and produce. I know Tank Dell, you know, did that at Pukunakua. I still don't think we're going to get to the point where like a year one breakout is more common than year three with wide receivers. I mean, we're glossing over all the tragic misses and all the slow starters that are typical 
for the position, the year three breakout. It's funny. We were talking about a different player and you mentioned like he's in year three and it harkened back to all the articles that used to come out with year three breakouts. That was the most common thing. It is still the most likely outcome for a wide receiver in their first, however many number of years to have their peak season in year three. And, right. and the fact that, that now it's like, Oh, too late. He's been on four dynasty teams since then. You know, that's, that you like that, that that's where we've gotten to on like you you finish at wide receiver 40 in year one you're like yeah i'm kind of over that moving on right 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 yeah so i just i i think i don't know i, I think nico's really well situated i i look at his and i'm just i'm kind of confused by his valuation you right? can't fake it here's the thing like if he ran 20 routes a game or if he was 2.1 yards per route run we could find ways to say that you can kind of massage your way to those numbers and it's not real but when you see volume and you see three plus yards per route run you can't like i don't know what it would take to fake that like you're doing it over a huge sample size a true starter on the team and you're doing it at such high efficiency that only guys like Tyree kill for any meaningful sample size beat you on a per route basis. And he's not a human. So you're in the next bucket of like realistic high end alien babies. Like that's you're in that next bucket. Yes. Which is as high as basically you can go. This is a weird feel because this, this might be the second, uh, maybe two out of the last three weeks we've discussed Nico Collins. And, And honestly, like you and I don't fall in love with like young wide receivers. That's not what we do. And he's here not, we are just fawning yeah. over. Well, he's not like, <laughs> well, I think what feels weird is like, this is the first year he truly put it together, but this mm-hmm. isn't putting it together in like, he was 2.1 yards per route run. Like I mentioned, he was wide receiver 28. Like there's like in a uh, Cortland Sutton sort of way, like mm-hmm. there's teases that guys can do good things, but it draws you into thinking they're going to take the next step. He doesn't really have to take the next step. He already did the next step all in one shot. Yes, He did the whole thing in one season and that's where the huge divide happens. Like we, we talk about this all the time, probably separately and we do it together where if a guy like there's different levels of like breaking out and there's some that feel fakey and more Fugazi than others. And when you check all the boxes together of like, well, this is rare stuff for anybody, let alone the first time they're being productive really in their career. And when they do it all at once, and then you connect it with the quarterback, you say, you know, that you were dictating the offense, and then you do the optics, all these things align. The proof of concept is there. Like I oh, like yeah. I said, there's really no fakes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you, offhand, do you have a fake like that checks most of these Nico Collins boxes where you're like, yeah, that flamed out tragically. No, I mean, <laughs> Christian Watson, um, but that wasn't even that established. But I mean, I, no. I, over three yards per route run is very difficult to fake. And again, we talked, we've talked as well about like our targets per open route run. Like he's top 10 in that number. That's almost impossible to fake. Um, but, and that's, but let's look at the, here's the thing. We, we assume rational coaching, right? Or we assume rational front offices. Let's put ourselves in this position. We have a, we have a team. We got quarterback, right? We got two wide receivers on rookie contracts that we didn't spend immense capital. We got them right. Mm-hmm. We have a, we didn't get Robert Woods right. We have a free agent tight end. And we've got a run game that didn't support, you know, we became one dimensional instantly in a game where we needed to win, you know, obviously our season on the line. My takeaway going into the offseason. It isn't replace 
or push down those two wide receivers. It's, I'm fine if we need more weaponry. You can never have enough in the AFC or in general pairing around a, a young quarterback, give them as much help as humanly possible. But that, that dynamic playmaking aid element can be a tight end. It can be a running back. It can, and again, you have free agents at those positions. You can always make offensive line better. Your defense has upside, but can use more. Like to say that you're you're pinning it on let's trade our first round pick for T. Higgins and pay him, that to me is not plan one or plan two here. So I just and again you need to you still need the Bengals to say yes to that. So I just again I I, I think they have what they like and they can do ancillary. They're in the luxury position of having cheap wide receivers, cheap quarterback, and they can do ancillary things or almost do whatever they want. Can I tell you the tight end that I'm going to suggest to every team this year? Every like team. I might Let's suggest it. to to like 28 different teams in terms of like free agency. Like this player could have a valuation normally of like one year, $5 million. And we're going to push him to be like a three year, $45 million guy because everyone should be in demand for him. No offense. <laughs> like no offense should be on every team that has Ingram. any interest Let's in a playmaker. This. He should be yep. on, on speed dial. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think he's going to get paid a lot, but it could be one of those like odd, weird things where it's like everyone should be in on him. So he actually gets overpaid, right? Like it's strangely in free agency. I have eyes towards him in a higher ratio towards the whole population of players than anyone else. Right. And, and my, my call was I did I did I did some bold calls thing for the offseason. And I said, I'm putting into the universe now. I want to see Noah Fant to Cincinnati or Houston. Yes, because I think it would aid his situation to bounce back immensely in those spots. Yes. I mean, Cincinnati has been trying to get tight end, right? They tried Irv Smith. They tried Hayden Hurst. Keep trying. Tanner Hudson's actually been your best guy. If you put Noah Fant in that offense. Oh. <laughs> and and oh, it's man. they're They're in the business and they've actually done it really intelligently. And actually we talked team building huge on after hours on the, the Patreon side this week about some different ideas and some different concepts and, and just like kind of NFL and dynasty, but like they are a really interesting one. And actually green Bay does this as well. Like they'll double dip at the position. Like they double dipped at wide receiver in the top 150 picks, like multiple times. Um, they did it at tight end this year. Like they, they, they do these things where they just keep kind of coming back to the well. It's interesting, but Cincinnati has this thing where they just kind of keep recycling tight ends kind of on prove it deals with some pedigree, right? You've gone Irv Smith, you've gone Hayden Hurst. Like it wouldn't shot like they, they absolutely fit the bill of a team of a Noah fan, you know, prove it type contract of a guy that could absolutely go in there and play. Like I, I would love him and hey, we like Dalton Schultz too, but like, I would love them to add a team. Like this is actually a team that, might be interesting to add a free agent running back, depending on what the price is around a rookie quarterback, like with some good weapons on rookie deals. Like that's the type of scenario where you could absolutely justify that, especially if they're pass game weapons, right. You know, um, thinking Josh, Jacobs, thinking Barkley, right. Uh, Tony Pollard on a cheaper deal. Like I think, I think all of those things are really, really interesting this year. Can you imagine if we rewound 12 months and these things happen all in conjunction. Number one, We'd be talking about 2023 and CJ Stroud massively upticks the Houston offense. And that the takeaway would be not only is Damian Pierce not the starter, loses the job to, to Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary is a free agent. And yet universally, we say it is a critical need area for Houston. Mm -hmm. All those things are connected. So Damian Pierce, irrelevant. 
Singletary takes job. Singletary free agent. Stroud huge hit. And yet we're saying impact running back. Like Damian Pierce, it seems so long ago that he was a you know modest and and interesting hit initially. And then it's eroded straight down from there. Yes. It's, I mean, it's a pretty quick tale yes. for, for Damian Pierce. Can I, one other thing, and actually something five minutes ago that I, I thought was going to be the critical thing. <laughs> Explain this to me like I'm five. Why is CJ Stroud so divergent in market appeal, attraction versus Jordan Love? Why are they not? closer to back-to-back or very, very close as opposed to the Sesame Street near and far dynasty-wise? Um, age. Explain it in Duplo blocks. Like <laughs> like I know nothing. It, age, I think, is probably okay. the first thing. Okay, um, age. Jordan, Jordan Love, 25.2. Uh, CJ Stroud, 22.3. I think that's that's okay. certainly it. Um, priors, right? I think where you look at where they came from in the draft, CJ Stroud, the second overall pick. Jordan Love, um, not uh, you know later in the first and i think you look as well at the narrative of them coming into this year which was you know stroud i don't know a little bit it was a weird narrative about him and some of the pre-draft stuff people were generally pretty bearish on jordan love they thought he sucked right so i think all of those things kind of combined when you add in when you layer on top of those priors what they did this year not a surprise that there's a gap there um i, I do find stroud's you know, Stroud at five feels like a lot. Um, again, I like him. I find I found like they had some of the most entertaining games this year um, of any team just to watch as just a fan. Like they were extremely entertaining, fun to watch. I like the story. Um, he's one that's interesting to potentially arbitrage, right? Because one of the things that we, um, you know, one of the things that we sort of caution against is, right, um, you need multiple proofs of concept at quarterback to really kind of establish yourself. Now we've been a little bit late on that in terms of like, we made Joe Burrow prove it to us again. He did, but not really to a huge hit, which is interesting. Again, he sort of solidified himself up there with multiple years of performance, but hasn't really hit that elite ceiling type of thing. Um, You know, but that's, that's been a spot where we've been a little bit slow to say, like you believe in that fully Jordan love is again, similarly, you know, we're touching the third rail of, of, football here with this discussion but they're very similar where jordan love you're actually getting that discount of like hey like you are getting some some leeway in terms of that like that that prove it factor is actually built in at jordan love's cost right but not in a strouds which is really interesting so um, i do think like arbitraging that is an interesting thing again if even if you want to go out and say hey stroud for jordan love in a 2025 first that kind of bets against that again if you're sort of trying to do that like i think it's Ideas like that are are really interesting in terms of how you want to leverage that type of. But I think thinking about Stroud, it's not anything you need to do January twenty third or twenty fourth when you're listening to this. But thinking about it, like kind of over the next few months, like what type of trade do I put CJ Stroud in? Is it going up or is it sort of arbitraging him against somebody else where I can add an additional core element or even a star player, uh, another top thirty guy on top of a quarterback quote downgrade? I think that's an interesting place to think. Professional segue from Jordan, uh, because did I get enough? We're going to CJ Stroud uh, in the trade market here. So we can apply it uh, directly to talking about team building and foraying into the dynasty trade market. We have CJ Stroud, Travis Etienne, and a 24 second for Dak Prescott, Puka Nakua, and a 24 first. 
So let's just start with the running backs and receivers here for a second. Um, I, I would take right just as a general team building principle in the top five rounds of a rookie draft of a startup draft. When you're choosing between wide receivers and running backs, you take the wide receiver at the same cost over the running back because it gives you a team building advantage later on. Right. You can play um, you can kind of lock in that core element at receiver and then play the volume game at running back where you don't want to really play the opposite way around. Right. So you lean wide receiver there um, and I would lean wide receiver there, I think, a meaningful amount. Um, I know they're pretty close in terms of the market, but I would really favor Nakua over over ETN in that trade. Um, and then you come back and you look at that and you say, all right, that trade ends up being basically, you know, Stroud and a second for uh, Prescott in a first. We don't know where those picks are in this. Just assume that they're random picks in the middle of the round. Uh, I'm taking the Prescott side of that, especially given the fact that Nakua is, a, I think, a pretty meaningful dynasty upgrade over ETN. Yeah, I assess it pretty the same. Uh, I, I would take, in general, in the offseason, you know, as you were talking, I mean, if you can flip running back to wide receiver, do it, you know, and, and you you get more stable, and then we can populate from from the back end, rookie draft style, uh, waiver wire style, uh, just other ways uh, there for running back. And that pick upgrade, again, even if that's, you know, 205 to 110 or what, I mean, again, the point is you're getting a first, you're getting something that's going to have value. Um, you can make moves beyond this. Uh, the fact that, you know, especially if this is your QB2, I mean, again, you're stabilizing with Dak Prescott, you're gaining a first round pick. Uh, ETN is older than a lot of people think, you know, he's older than Nakua. Um, you know, Nakua is another one. You can't fake what he did. <laughs> that is an unfakeable uh, year one or basically any year that type of profile on that level of volume. And this could this turn out to be like, this is one of those deals. Like, even if you sit here and like, yeah, that's pretty fair. Uh, this is one that can really whiplash on you. Like, again, if ETN is someone that if he has some bigger injury in the next one to two years, a critical zone of his prime years of production here of insulation. I mean, this thing can turn really bad depending on what happens with that first round pick. If you parlay that into a 25 first and it becomes early, this could really be bad. Uh, you know, Stroud taking a step back in year two uh, could turn really bad. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of ways that that side is risky because you gave up a first, you gave up an established quarterback like Prescott, you gave up Nakua, which is a rarity. Uh, and ETN in round one pedigree, that's really nice, but he's like 25. You mm -hmm. know, so I think you got to be careful um, on a lot of fronts making a deal like this. Uh, and then we have a, a another deal. Uh, not quite did I get enough. We got CD Lamb on the move. CD Lamb right up there, top of the hierarchy at Dynasty Wide Receiver. Connected to Prescott, we've got CeeDee Lamb for Tua Tagovailoa and Tyreek Hill. So this one's interesting from like a trajectory perspective, like just to, from a general philosophical perspective, we don't value, you know, sort of elite wide receivers, right? That's a, that's a profile we actually arbitrage off of, right? So I find Nakua versus Lamb in this interesting because Nakua is much cheaper than Lamb is um, in, in Dynasty, right? And the running backs that you're talking about are, are much different than the ones you would be talking about with Lamb. So again, I think that's different um, in terms of how those guys are different from each other. But you're taking Lamb, you're basically putting him with a wide receiver who in the next like couple of year window can probably produce on par with CD lamb and you're getting a quarterback. Now the quarterback, we don't necessarily love. That's part of the 
the hang up. I mean, if you're not getting a quarterback you love in this trade, that's just not how it how it those trades. <laughs> if it, if it if you were getting a quarterback you loved in this trade, you would be getting you'd be paying more for it, right? Um, so I I do think of it that way, right? If if Tua is like if I'm kind of dying on the vine at quarterback, like let's assume I I was in on Russell Wilson, you know maybe I was in on, um you know some um you know I, I was a Sam Howell team, like I was trying to build a second or third, and it's just kind of all fell apart on me, and I'm coming out of this where maybe I got a really good quarterback and I can sort of slide Tua in to be my quarterback too, but I think this is an interesting way to kind of catch a two way go on that. Um, that's how I would view that. I probably wouldn't do this deal if I was a Allen Mahomes team, right? If I had two elite quarterbacks investing into a, as a third, probably wouldn't be the way that I would go. But if I'm trying to take a discount at wide receiver in terms of some of the age valuation while also replacing it with a similar production profile of the next couple of years and getting a quarterback, like, I think this is a good way to go about that deal. Yeah. Liam is pretty much the ideal profile you kind of look for because he's 25 so he's played enough that now he has two substantial hit seasons we've seen a big peak from him this year a little less so last year three top 24 finishes in a row uh, again relic like this is what you're looking for and it takes till they're 24 25 ideally so i mean every once in a while you you, know, you get a justin jefferson where he gets boom boom you know two top 10 seasons right out of the gate and you're like well that's easy and now they're on they're even younger you know at 23 let's say for that next off season um but lamb is the more realistic and then you have a nice window of what two three years now where pretty much no one really reacts to their age uh they have a profile that produces a high level of hits year after year so lamb is that profile now tyree kill on the high end he could actually outproduce lamb you know we, we've seen like the, my worry with him is he's turning 30 and he just played through, you know, he's trying to break records this year, broke down a little bit into the year. And what you're getting is Tua. So this is a tough one because like you said, your quarterback situation is key here. I still probably wouldn't do it just because I feel like I'm taking on errands because I can't imagine I've done this, these types of deals before in the sense of I'm taking on a piece that I should value more. I don't. And so I'm always looking for the exit door. Mm -hmm. So I would talk about the emotional side of this, of you're taking on a player that if you're not neutral, now, again, if you're neutral on Tua and you're like, Hey, I'm going to give a guy that has top 12 upside weekly. Uh, the peaks are good. Uh, if I get just some more allegiance here, but I think there's downside, you know, we've seen him, Again, when the play breaks down, if Tyreek Hill is not with the team in a year or two, like this could turn pretty bad. And at that point, you still might have a 26, 27 year old CD Lamb, and you're like, I gave away that for what? So I do think you have to be careful with an exit strategy on Tua. I will say this is a way to fix QB2 if you've tried other avenues. It is a way to arbitrage. You could win this with a, a big year or two out of Tyreek Hill to really smooth this line. So I understand it. I view it as relatively fair by, you know, my trade calculator and all this kind of stuff of like analyzing the deal. My pause is you're getting a player that ultimately you should, like the price is too high to view him as a bridge, in my opinion, for Tua, but yet I think that's his function. So you're kind of that's paying for that. And you're going plus five years at wide receiver and it's not 23 to 28. You're going 25 to 30 and 30 is a little more critical. 
So I don't think Tyreek Hill is, again, monster. Mm-hmm. I, I come up with new ways to describe him all the time. I mean, he's one of the few guys that could be like four yards per outrun. I mean, it's like a nutty number. And he's doing that with two at quarterback. That's partly a disparage, partly a, hey, he can tilt anybody. Mm-hmm. So I just, I probably wouldn't do it. I would try a lot of other ways to quarterback before I do this. That's the that's the key thing, too, I think, when you think about this part of the calendar. As you were kind of talking about this, I do want to add this point in there. Why a um, January trade? You, you're, making a Jan, you're making a January lineup trade, and you don't necessarily need to do that, right? So this trade, if you were doing it in October, might hit a little bit differently because, hey, I'm, I'm sort of – I'm playing this two-way going season. Um, you have a lot of time with the best asset in a deal to figure out a trade you really, really like. Right. And that could happen in a number of ways unforeseen right now. Like, I don't know, someone with a really good quarterback might land a, a top two rookie pick in a way that you didn't see coming. And now all of a sudden they're in the business of trading a top eight quarterback and they're interested in Lamb, right? That deal can happen, right? There's a lot of different ways that even if you look at it right now and you're thinking, all right, I'm not exactly sure I can fix how I'm going to fix quarterback. When you have the best asset in the deal, you've got a shot. Um, and you know, it's always easier to do it when you have a quarterback, but you have a lot of time to get a quarterback to even like make that supplemental deal, right? If you need a quarterback to put them, put in a quarterback trade to get a better quarterback, that you still have plenty of ways to kind of do that, um, would be kind of the thought again, if you wanted to do this deal, like, I don't know, couldn't you trade like CD lamb for like. Jordan Love plus like you, you know you, there's there's other quarterbacks that we feel probably better about that you could probably well, just go say, like, laterally like if you're gonna use CeeDee Lamb as the conduit to a strong quarterback like you didn't really do that in this one and it makes me think if you're thin at wide receiver or you're freaking out about it and you're like well I need a quarterback too you have to ask like you always do the question of like what are you trying to achieve right so mm-hmm. I mean if you're asking that question I think they were trying to have their cake and eat it too. Well, I need to fix quarterback, but I'm also really scared to go lighter at wide receiver. So I kind of yes. need to do both. Yes. And I think that you're opening yourself up. Like there's a deal that probably more exemplifies what we're talking about. Um, now this is high leverage, but Jalen Hurts and CeeDee Lamb for Josh Allen and Brandon Ayuk. So right. this is that's a much cleaner way to say, I know what I'm getting at quarterback. I'm fixing something. I have a little bit of question with Jalen Hurts. Maybe I, I want to get out of that business. And then Brandon Ayu gives you legit outs at wide receiver to soften this blow, you know, of so- or soften the loss of Lamb and downgrading, you know, in, in practice. Yes. But I would wonder, CD Lamb plus your first round pick this year. I mean, like you just said, where does that get you at quarterback? That should get you somewhere pretty good. Right. Obviously, yes. you got to find the right dance partner. But like, it, yeah, it just feels like you... And again, in a different audience, it may be like, wow, you know, I mean, you can, you can still win for two years at wide receiver and two is going to be great. And you really won that one, but that's not this room, you know? And that's, I mean, I don't think you're acknowledging some of the risk factors with Tua. Not that he's going to get replaced this year, but he is not as insulated as a lot of people think. Which is crazy considering he led the league in passing. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's just I, a crazy I can make the argument that in, on, on a couple fronts in four years, he's had one good year. <laughs> and I don't think that's what you want to invest in and giving up CD lamb. And again, it's not that we're opposed to trading away wide receivers, but like you have a poker chip that you need to play the right way. Yes. 
you don't have a CD Lamb deal to make this next year too. Right. <laughs> if you don't do this one right. 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 Yes. I mean, it's it, that's a pretty good profile you're giving up. And you're getting on a 30-year-old wide receiver and a quarterback that six months ago we were like, well, what if he misses half the season with his next concussion? Let's be right. let's be real with where we are. Right. It's pretty high variance. Yes, it is. All right. Um, I do have a, a life and dynasty lesson learned uh, this this week. So I was going to talk about how um, in, enjoy the experience. Um, I talked with Jordan, uh, I think in passing on our premium show uh, that we have for after hours about how people know I'm not a live football watcher. Um, I did watch the Tampa Bay game live just because I didn't want to be up extra time much later that night. Uh, so I had it on. I was doing other things. But the Bills Chiefs game. I know, blasphemy. Didn't watch it live, stayed in a bubble. Um, but one thing I said to Jordan was enjoy the journey. And I think, especially in the off season, enjoy the dynasty journey. It doesn't have to be a rush. And I would say this, I watched it non-condensed. I took double the amount of time watching Chiefs Bills as I normally would because I said, you know what? This season, honestly, this is like, this might be more than the Super Bowl. This might be more than one, one or two of the games next week. This is appointment viewing. And it was late at night. I was tired. But you know what? Soak it in. Because we don't get a lot of Mahomes Allen in the playoffs. Step up. Like, this is just basically it's football watching pornography of what we want to watch. Right? I mean, let's face it. If they meet in week six, week six, it's not the same. If they don't meet in the playoffs, it's not the same. And we had so much storyboarding going into this game and honestly it was a great game to watch nfl wise it was a fun enjoyable twists and turns how's it going to turn out uh takeaways coming out of it and i wanted to soak up every single moment of that and frankly it's like a movie you only get to watch it the first time once so you can watch it again today or next week or next year or whatever uh and i'm sure the landscape and tapestry of talking to jordan as as the bills fan i will get plenty of opportunities for us to reference this game in future years for various reasons but you only get a chance to watch it once and i think about that with dynasty teams of just like enjoy the startup draft enjoy trading enjoy looking at your teams and analyzing it from a deeper perspective and analyzing your tendencies uh how you can improve uh, soft spots, de-optimized ways that you operate. Enjoy the journey. Take a team and instead of you know rushing through things, just analyze yourself. Go back, look at your waiver wire. Look at your trades over the past year or two. Think about it. Storyboard it. Talk to somebody about it. But like, enjoy this journey because don't, it's January or February or March or whatever. There's no rush. We talked about rushing into lineup decisions, apparently, with that to a trade. So, I mean, again, just so I would say these these critical games uh, they, they were watching as NFL diehards and super fans, uh, these moments for you as a dynasty owner, enjoy it, savor it, let the Mackinac peaches and George Costanza, let the juices drip down your chin, because then you're going to get beyond that moment, beyond that span of time, and it's going to be gone. So... Don't rush through it. People try to rush through startup drafts and rookie drafts. And uh, honestly, in week nine, yeah, I rushed through watching NFL games. But when you get to certain critical mass moments, enjoy the journey, take the extra time, and just realize we have all off season to not have games to watch. And this week, I recognized in the moment, I have Bill's Chiefs to watch, and I am not rushing this thing. 
Yeah, uh, speak for yourself. Bill's games are not enjoyed. They're suffered. <laughs> in this part of the country. <laughs> I could tune in with just five minutes left. It's just trying to figure out how it all you saw that You saw the final field goal attempt on 2X. That's how much he fast forward. <laughs> he saw that they were taking Josh down off of the field on fourth down. He was like, loser. Yeah. <laughs> the loser mentality. Yes. Gordon, you got banned on Twitter. I did. You got short term <laughs> banned on Twitter because of the Bills. That's peak Bills fandom, I would argue. I just, I just, you can't take your your quarterback off the off the field for special teams twice, right? With a fake. They mentioned fake the punter punt. had the hamstring, and I remember that going into the game. And I don't know if we commented to each other about this, but it was almost like, well, that's perfect because <laughs> yes. your your punter is not in play for this game. It's almost like you know, uh, like I need this utility man, you know, or I need this extra reliever. All hands on deck. Like your starter is now your reliever in the baseball playoffs. They might need a a, a good inning. You know, and it's like the punter is not needed in this game. They did punt once, right? They punted once. It was a crappy punt, and I'm sure they regretted it. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yes. Yeah. It was, uh, a lot of regrets. A lot of regrets. A lot of regrets. I said, I think I even said to my wife, I don't know why I haven't moved to Hawaii and taken a badminton as my sport. I think that's what I said. <laughs> that's the, the reaction of Phil's loss. Yeah, Jordan, we're going to be in for it next year, though. 2024 Buffalo. We will roll it back all again. Because you you know what? With Josh Allen, you have a chip and a chair and a playoff chance every year. Absolutely. It was dicey this year, but it's it's a it was a crazy way for them to get their home game. Yes, it was. They got there. They played they played the, the elusive Monday playoff game and then they hosted Patrick Mahomes. They were very courteous in their in their hosting of of the Chiefs. So, yeah. Oh, anyway, uh, that's going to do it. Uh, we were talking about the premium side of Dynasty Think Tank over at patreon.com slash Dynasty Think Tank. Thanks so much for supporting what we do. We just went old school. Uh, this was the week where it's like we throw it out. We talk quarterbacks. We talked bills. We talked AFC playoffs. Uh, we talked uh, NFL power ranking type stuff. Uh, had a team build. It was cathartic, I think. I had to put Jordan on the couch just a little bit. I had to crack that egg because... Again, a heat check. Make sure he's okay. <laughs> um, but but honestly, like he's so you're so, you're so balanced, Jordan. That like the and I think you playing Dynasty helps because you own a lot of Mahomes. Like you are very, very familiar with this story, and that's part of the reason we have him <laughs> in a lot of leagues is because <laughs> we know he is capable and he is an apex predator. And the Bills have an apex predator too. But there's tears to this of how the jungle works. <laughs> And yes. we are still in jungle mode of like, he is the king of the jungle. He is Lion King and he has not been dethroned. We don't have signs of him being dethroned at yet. Maybe Lamar Jackson is the guy that will ultimately dethrone him over the next one to two years. It'll be interesting and it may start next week, but until further notice, Captain Phillips <laughs> is still Captain Phillips there with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but we, again, Old school, I think an hour plus. I don't keep track of it. Jordan's got the stopwatch. But uh, long-form discussion this week on the premium side. Don't want to miss it for the patrons and super fans out there. So thanks so much for supporting uh, that platform uh, in addition to this free show and listening, rating, reviewing us early on in this off-season mode. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Chad Parsons NFL, at McNamara Dynasty. We have our own Dynasty content platforms, as always, for additional content from us. Analytics of Dynasty.com, UTHDynasty.com. 
And as always, your life, your dynasty teams, your analysis, unlock your ceiling and seek elite results. 